What is it about the unknown that fascinates us so much? Is it for the thrill of it all? Or do we seek proof of life after death? Whatever our reason may be, we find ourselves being drawn in by these places and the bone-chilling tales that they have to offer. Tortured souls cross boundaries to reach out with stories that they want to share with us. There are times we simply hear the echoes of a memory on loop. The question that remains is this, are you open-minded enough to handle it? Dive into the paranormal with DC O'Rourke, your personal guide, as we traverse the globe to dissect haunted places in each and every episode of Hauntingly Yours, a podcast for the paranormal, where the spirits are always waiting. and gals, welcome back to Hauntingly Yours. I am DC O'Rourke and I will be your storyteller each week as we get together to hear chilling tales of the paranormal from all across the globe. If you would like to be part of our podcast and have your own story that you would like to share, please drop us an email, hauntinglyyourspodcast at gmail.com or give us a call at 804-684-1644. Now, today's episode is going to be dedicated to the stories lore of Gloucester County, Virginia and the many spooks and specters that it has to offer. Anyone ever heard of Gloucester by any chance? It's... About 20 minutes from Matthews County, uh, where I grew up, the earliest inhabitants of the area, believe it or not, were the Powhatan Indians, the capital of their, I guess, their very large confederacy was just on the York River and was called Werewakamako. This is where the, the mighty chief Powhatan sat as he ruled over the many peoples that made up his chiefdom. There are about 30 tribes in total, so I mean, it's quite a few people. Legend has it that shortly after arriving at Jamestown, the colonists went exploring and accidentally stumbled upon Werewakamako, and it said this is how Captain John Smith ended up meeting Pocahontas. Now, I can promise you it was nothing like the Disney movie. I will not queue just around the riverbed. I digress. Gloucester County was originally included as part of the eight shires of Virginia in 1634. 
Technically, the county didn't form until about 1651 when it was separated from York County. As it turns out, it was named in honor of Henry Stewart, Duke of Gloucester, and son of King Charles I. Land patents were granted as early as 1639, and people began to flock in droves to settle. Some of those people turned out to actually be George Washington's ancestors, namely his grandmother, Mary, who ended up living at Warner Hall. So, I guess when it comes down to brass tags, you could say Gloucester County is no stranger to, to history. Believe it or not, she's seen shades of both the American Revolution as well as the Civil War. With all that history, I think it's perfectly natural to come across a few ghosts as we go working the soils of the past. The tragedies, the, the chaos, the emptiness, it, it all filters between your fingers as you sift through it carefully. My job, of course, is to pluck from it those stories that I feel like are deserving to be told. I'm talking about those stories that have been buried for so long and have been planted upon repeatedly by humankind as the earth continues to spin upon its axis with or without us. I would specifically like to take a look at a place called Sewell's Ordinary. I feel like it doesn't get the much-needed attention that it deserves. It's one of those places the, the history tends to get swept under the rug and forgot about. And it might have something to do with the fact that it's now a used car lot. Yes, it's a used car lot. I mean, what should be... A National Historic Landmark is now nothing more than a place to buy yourself a used car at a reasonable price. Sad, but very true, unfortunately. The current owners, you know, I will, I will admit they've done their fair share to restore the property to the best of their abilities and preserve the history of the place. In the end, though, is it really the same thing? I, I think not. Let's talk about Sewell's, though. Sewell's Ordinary was originally built in 1712 as a residence for one Mr. Joseph Sewell and his family. By the time 1757 rolls around, Joseph finds himself to be close to 60 years old. His ambition is still moving forward, full steam ahead. He has an addition built onto the house, and once it's completed, he announces the opening of his Ordinary. What is an Ordinary exactly? And you know what? That's a very good question. I know when I first heard the term, I said, okay, isn't that a tavern? You know, a place where somebody can get a bite to eat, bite to drink. Well, as it would turn out, any establishment during the time period that served a complete meal was often referred to as an ordinary because they served ordinary people. Taverns and inns were a place you could get yourself an alcoholic drink, and inns were establishments that provided food and lodging, mainly for travelers. Our friend Joseph Sewell, believe it or not, was raising horses on his property before he even opened his ordinary. Oh yeah, it's true. In 1739, he would go on to actually open one of the first horse tracks in the Virginia colony and even hold some of the very first distance races. I mean, this guy had 150 acres. He certainly had the room. There was no doubt about that. Thanks to oral history, we know that George Washington actually came to the property, frequented it very often, and attended races. 
after he would be passing back through from visiting his relatives at Warner Hall. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I just think of George Washington, you know, out on a horse track with a pair of spectacles, you know, placing bets and yeah. But anywho, October 3rd, 1781, the ordinary would actually go on to play an important role in the advancement of both American and French troops uh, in a very important battle that would lead to the surrender at Yorktown. General George Whedon made the ordinary his headquarters. Lord Cornwallis and his men had been in Yorktown and Gloucester Point for probably a solid month already. French and American forces decided, you know what, it's going to be best if we advance forward, cut Cornwallis off at the mouth of the York River, that way he can't get into Virginia any further. British Commander Lieutenant Colonel Bannister Tarleton and about 230 of his men were already on the move and they just festered through the, through the county like an open wound. They had but one mission, find supplies and confiscate them. The mission would soon prove to be a d- difficult one as the Fille de la Sons Legion and militia led by Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel John Mercer met up at Sewell's Ordinary to push back Tarleton's troops and, and keep them in the area. The leader of the French forces, Marquis de Chalze, wrote a letter to George Washington to basically tell him of their victory after it was done, stating that the British had suffered great casualties. This would go on to be called the Battle of Hook. We find out later on down the road that the French were actually pretty fond of the ordinary and enjoyed spending their time and money there. Legend has it the famed Marquis de Lafayette even dropped a cigar on the floor in the upstairs dining room during a night of revelry. The stain is still there until this very day. As time went on, the tavern eventually closed. They converted back to being a private residence in 1871 and stayed that way for many years. And then in 1948, the property switched hands and it was converted back into being a restaurant once more, a place for people, ordinary people to come together and eat, drink, and be merry. They stayed that way until about 2007 when the owners felt like it was time to let the business go. Sadly, no one stepped up to the plate to preserve the history of the place that very much should have been recorded. The National Register of Historic Places doesn't even list Souls Ordinary. To make matters worse, it's not even listed on the top 25 list of landmarks in Gloucester County. What should be a historic landmark now sits with a yard full of used cars for sale. I just, I, sh- I shake my head at this all the time, every time I think about it. When the property went up for sale in 2007, I really wonder why no one showed any interest, because I know different groups were approached and they all politely declined. I don't know if it was the million and a half dollar price tag or, you know, whatever the reason was, but they chose not to buy it and it just sat around until CarMax came and seized the day. I have it on good authority, though, that no one was keen on buying the property because it was haunted. I can't testify to this. I, I, I don't actually know. I just know what I've been told. 
So I'll pass the stories on to you, and I'll let you be the judge of it. You tell me. Apparently, folks in the area have been whispering for years that Sewell's Ordinary is haunted. Things happened when that restaurant was open. Weird things, frightening things. It really made folks uh, uncomfortable to talk about it. All I can think is, are the ghosts of the revolution still lingering in its halls, perhaps? Or could it be the original owner, Joseph Sewell, checking in on things after all these years, trying to make sure that his modern-day clientele are happy with his establishment? A former server who worked for the restaurant back in early 2005 says that she was working the lunch rush one day when something odd happened to her. She said there was this small hallway in the back, and at the end, you could find the soup and salad fridges. The hallway was lined with windows, which were all open. So here she is, she said, she's running along when something on a ledge fell off just as she ended went to grab some soups for a table. This happened right near the entrance to the hallway. Now, the people who worked at the restaurant were accustomed to strange things happening. It was one of those things, you know. The typical response here was to blame it on Joseph Sewell. They didn't really know what else to call their mysterious friend who liked to keep them on their toes. The server did that very thing in this situation. No sooner the item had hit the floor after falling from the ledge, she snapped, Joseph, stop it right now! Right then, every window along that hall slammed shut one by one, working their way right down to the very spot that she stood. Well, let's just say enough was enough. The poor server was so frightened, she went up to the owners and gave them her two weeks' notice on the spot. She refused to work with ghosts any longer. Given the history of the place, the owners of the establishment felt compelled to do tours whenever someone asked. It didn't matter if you just wanted to come in and take a look around. It was no big deal at all. If you were just passing through and wanted to see that legendary cigar stain left by the Marquis de Lafayette during a night of revelry so very long ago, yeah, why not? Let's, let's do it. Sometimes the tours weren't exactly cut and dry, though. Accidents would happen. Strange accidents. I'm talking about there's no rhyme or reason for these things to be happening. But here they are. They're happening, and they're very, very real. During one of the tours, the male owner, I guess you could say, the, the husband out of the husband and wife duo, actually fell down the stairs and severely hurt himself. In other instances, ankles were sprained, arms were bruised, and bones were even broken. It was as if someone wanted them to stop doing the historical tours of the place. Maybe the spirits of the past didn't approve. The owners thought it best to refrain from doing tours anymore and to just focus on running the restaurant as that was their number one priority. After they did that, eh, everything just sort of went back to normal. No one had any more accidents. The curse, it seemed, it seemed had been lifted. Once upon a time, there was a female customer dining at the restaurant with some friends in a downstairs dining room. The customer excused herself. She went searching for the restrooms. Thankfully, a server noticed her and directed her in the right direction, which was up the staircase. 
by the time she made it to the top of the staircase, she really had to go. That sense of urgency kicked in and guided her along. Unfortunately, she drifted in the wrong direction, ended up in a large dining room that was reserved for, you know, large parties. As she entered the room, she noticed a woman in a blue gown. It looked like an 18th century gown, very colonial looking. She wore even one of those white colonial caps on her head. And she looked like she was setting up for some sort of party. The customer wasn't sure what was going on, so she gently called out to the woman, Excuse me, I'm looking for the restroom. And the woman, who was now holding a large bowl, just sat it down, turned slowly to face her. She pointed down the hall toward the right. No words were spoken. The customer nodded and waved as she left the room. A few minutes later, she had finished her business. She ran back downstairs to join her friends. The wife, who who was one of the owners, she ran over to ask the customer if she had found the bathroom okay. She had heard from one of the servers that she had gotten lost. The customer told her that she had, did indeed get lost in the beginning, but once she ended up upstairs, she f- found this nice woman in a colonial dress who was prepping for a party, and she helped her find her way once more. After a few questions in which the owner was entirely confused, she deduced that this was very, very wrong. She went on to say there was no one upstairs. She had no employees up there. And once more, no one was wearing a costume. And on top of that, they weren't expecting any sort of parties for that day. One night... Later on down the road, toward the end of the restaurant's run, a large family came in for a birthday party, and they were seated in the dining room upstairs near the bathrooms. The young lady who was the guest of honor needed to go to the potty, she said to her mother, and she said she would be right back. Within a few minutes, she had run to the bathroom and come back. Well, she left happy as a lark, but when she returned, she was a completely different little girl. She was hysterical. She was covered in tears. Her mother asked her what was wrong, and when her daughter replied, she said there was a slightly translucent girl in old-timey clothes crying in the bathroom stall next to her. So why do we lie in terms of what we believe? I just gave you the stories. Is Sewell's Ordinary haunted? Eh. The stories are plentiful, they're interesting, they're intriguing, as some of them are honestly quite chilling, in my opinion. Even though the history is scarce and often forgotten about, I find it's permanently embedded within the walls of that place. It can never truly be forgotten. Use Carlotta or not, the place has been kissed by time. The echoes will always be felt. The question is... Will you remember the stories? My friends, Gloucester County is full of spooks and specters. Like no other, Sewell's is just the tip of the iceberg. I I feel like it often gets overlooked, and it's a, a piece of history that deserves to be remembered. There are many other tales from Gloucester County, including the the ruins of Rosewell Plantation, Abingdon Church, Churchill Plantation, numerous residential homes. There's even this old Purina dog food factory that's said to be haunted. And there are probably plenty of other places that I'm just not even aware of yet.
Now, I'm afraid this is where I must abandon you all. Thank you so much for tuning in once more. I really do appreciate it. I am DC O'Rourke. I am your storyteller. Each and every week as we get together to hear chilling tales of the paranormal. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hauntingly Yours. Until next time, I am and will remain, much like the spirits, hauntingly yours. Mm -hmm.